Today on Physically Spiritual, I'm honored to talk to Anthony Stefano about his new book, 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I'm captivated by discovering the truth about my body and how it reveals God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Like I said, I'm joined today by Anthony Stefano. He's an American author, television host, and activist. He's written five best-selling Christian books for adults, including A Travel Guide to Heaven and 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes to. And he has also written eight best-selling children, books for children, including uh, The Donkey That No One Could Ride and Little Star. Um, and he had a recent book come out, a beautiful book, uh, kind of in honor of his goddaughter, Greenlee. So we'll talk about that some too with the, sh- with the show, but welcome to the show, Anthony. Well, thank you very much for having me. That bio is a little bit outdated. I have 18 books for children now. So it, there's been a lot of children's uh, books that have come out in the last few years. I yeah, can't seem to well, stop them. Well, they're beautiful. I, you know, so I have a two-year-old son and we're expecting our second here in a couple months. And all oh, of our man. friends are in the, kind of the baby having mode. So we have a lot of young families in our life. And, you know, as I, I saw all the books you've written, I was like, he wrote that one too. He wrote that one too. And they're all on our shelf and my friend's shelf. So, so they're a blessing to all of us as we're starting our young families and trying to give the faith to them. So thank you for all that. No, thank you. That's the best compliment I could ever get. It totally validates my whole life. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I wanted to start. I was curious. And for me, I know it's been true. And for everyone I talk to that the mission the Lord calls us to grows out of our story, out of the way the Lord led our life. And I was just curious, you know, this book is, um, it's been described. What was it, the description? It's kind of like a, like a, has some self-help elements, but it also has the faith element. It's, uh, you know, a bit of the catechism in St. Thomas Aquinas. And then it's a bit of, um, you know, like a drill sergeant or a coach, you know, kind of guiding your life. And I'm just curious, like, how has this book grown out of your life? Uh, and by the way, I love the way it's described as Tony Robbins meets Thomas Aquinas. That's a <laughs> tremendous, uh, compliment. Uh, uh, I hope the book uh, is, uh, just a, a fraction of, 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 of how good that, that, um, implies. Uh, you know, I, I think the book has grown out of me in a couple of different ways. The, the first thing, Andrew, is I'm a writer. You know, I've, 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 I've um, been a published author now for 20 years. Uh, my first book was in 2003, A Travel Guide to Heaven. But I was a writer long before then. I always was writing my friends' uh, book reports. And after that, I was always, you know, trying to get newspaper articles published. I'm a writer. I, I, I write. And the best thing about being a writer and ask other writers and they'll tell you this. The best thing about being a writer isn't seeing your name in print. It's the fact that everything that happens to you in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, all the suffering, uh, all the joys, all the tedious, irritating experiences, all the traffic jams, all uh, everything can be used uh, for your writing. Um, and knowing that I had it in me to be a writer, knowing that that God gave me this gift to be a writer. I think God himself uh, gave me uh, the whole gambit of human emotions and experiences from a very uh, early age. I've had some very, very high highs. I've had some very, very low lows. Um, lots of people have died on me. I've loved and lost lots of people. Um, I've had lots of financial problems. I've had lots of financial successes. 
uh, lots of achievements and lots of dismal kinds of failures. Um, I'm carnal and passionate Italian by nature. I grew up in New York City with all the stresses that, uh, that, that are inherent in living in the city. At the same time, I've lived in rural areas as well. I've taken a lot of self-help programs and personal development programs. At the same time, I've worked a lot with the church, at the, with the Vatican in Rome for many, many years. I, the, the point is that I've, 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 I've lived a lot. I've had a lot of experiences. And I think that the most natural thing for a writer to want to do, especially a Christian writer, is to want to use those experiences to take all, any suffering and any joy and, uh, that, I've, that I've had in my life and uh, try to use it to help other people, you know, because not while everyone suffers, not everybody is a writer, a writer, not everybody is a Christian writer. Um, I've also written a lot, a, a lot of books, as you mentioned before, and, and some of those nonfiction books have been on some pretty deep subjects, A Travel Guide to Heaven. Uh, I wrote a book called Hell, A Guide. I wrote a book called Ten Prayers God Always Says Yes To. I wrote a book on atheism. I had to do a lot of research for these books. And these books are, you know, in order to take these profoundly um, uh, difficult, complex subjects and make them s easy to understand and popular, popularize them without uh, watering down the orthodoxy, it takes a lot of research and a lot of thought. Uh, so between all the living I've done and between all the research I've done, I've just got a lot of stuff up here. And, and, I, and I just felt the need over the last few years to put it into a form that could help uh, other people who have, uh, you know, having the same kind of problems. And, and the last thing I'll say about this is I, I just was telling my wife the other day how blessed I feel to have written a book like this. Imagine, imagine if you or, or any of your listeners could just take all the experiences they've had in their life and be able to hand it to somebody, their kid, their nephew, their niece, or just a stranger and say, here, th this is the sum total of of all the important things that I've learned in life. It's a great blessing. It makes me very happy. And, and that's, I think, where this book comes from. As I've had the blessing of reading the book over the last few weeks, um, I couldn't help but like just kind of be amazed at like the breadth of topics that are covered in these 30 days. So the, the format of the book is each day you, you kind of give an explanation. It's lighthearted, it's friendly, but it's also sometimes kind of some tough love. Yes. Uh, a lot of good information. And then every day there's a challenge and they yes. kind of build. And, That's right. and the topics, what, you know, some of it's like the basic belief in God, conversion, setting goals, the church, a morning offering, the catechism, confession, the mass, gratitude. I mean, you, you basically ran the whole gambit from like basics of just how to be a functioning human to belief in God to a lot of kind of the, the meat and potatoes of Catholicism. Um, so it really was amazing seeing the breadth of topics that you brought to bear in this one book. Thank you. I, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to, to give a whole program, to give a program for a person's whole life. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't cover every single topic, but it covers the basics. Yeah. It covers the most important things. And most importantly, it, I think it teaches you how to get back on the horse when you experience setbacks, because any book, any good speech for that matter can inspire you you know, but it's, it's usually something that's very short lived. You read an inspiring book, you see an inspiring speech on or television show, or you listen to an inspiring sermon and it helps you for a couple of days or even a couple of weeks. But then what happens? Life hits you with a two by four and uh, all the, all that 
stuff comes crumbling down. And so I wanted to write a book that gave people the tools to, um, to show them what to do when that happens, when life hits you with a two by four, when you fall into sin again, when you stop, uh, when you start falling into bad old habits. So, so yes, I've given a whole program, but at the same time, I've taken a Vince Lombardi approach here. And I know some of your you know, viewers will know who that is. He's the greatest football coach of all time. And he stuck to basics. He stuck to basics, but he made sure that his players knew those basics so well that even though the opposing team knew that they were going to stick to those basics, they had no way of, of preventing uh, the team, their team from scoring. And I wanted that for this book, too. I wanted to give everybody the full gambit, but at the same time, stick to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love how it build, built, too, you know, because you're not just introducing them to the ideas. You're also helping them build habits. And yes. the book ends where you, you kind of pulled all together and you kind of give a rule of life or a design for life with a prayer. Um, and it was a really good send off. Uh, when, when I was reading this, um, I for, for 12 years had the blessing of doing work in RCIA in the church and, um, you know, people joining the church and becoming Catholic. And one of the things I struggled with was well, that you have them in class and you get to teach them a lot of ideas, but you don't get to live with them. You know, part of the blessings of growing up Catholic is you get to grow up with Catholic people who teach you how to be Catholic. But these people who were joining the church didn't have that opportunity. And, and I thought this would be a really good book to hand to somebody who was fresh into the church because it gives them the lifestyle. It gives them the basics of how to live the faith uh, from the top to the bottom, not in a, a disintegrated way, but in a very integrated and holistic way. Well, thank you very much. That's exactly what I was trying to do. So you're, you know, you're making my head big by telling me that I achieved it, but I appreciate it. You know, this, the book, the book grows mainly out of um, the fact that so many people out there are struggling with unhappiness and, and, and misery and loneliness. Uh, they just seem to be lost. Uh, there's a lot of suffering out there. You know that. And that's why I've always been a big advocate of uh, the personal development industry people like Tony Robbins. I'm for anybody who can help alleviate suffering. Uh, but there's a serious limitation with those health, self-help programs. I've taken a lot of them myself, and it's what we just talked about. They work for a while, but the results are temporary. Uh, and the reason is because they focus too much on self-help and not enough on God's help. That's yeah. the big trap of the self-help industry. Uh, you can use your personal development skills and become the most successful person in the world, and you can still end up being miserable. Just look at all those Hollywood movie stars. You know, they're, they're rich and they're famous. They've achieved all their glittering goals, and then they wind up spinning out of control with drugs and kill themselves. Uh, you know, you, if, you don't, if you have your priorities screwed up, you're never going to be happy, no matter how much success you experience. It, interestingly, though, Andrew, it works in the other direction, too. There are people out there that are overly spiritual, you know, mm -hmm. Catholic people too, you know, and this is one of the reasons I love your show because you're not, you're about incorporating the whole human body and mind and spirit. But some of these people who are overly spiritual, they think that all they have to do to overcome their problems is say one prayer to God and God is going to wave a magic wand and all their problems are just going to vanish into thin air. That's not the way it works. They don't realize the truth of that old saying that God helps uh, those who help themselves. Uh, you know, the personal development movement has discovered some very important tools to help us deal with problems and the stresses of life, goal setting, 
the power of momentum, uh, uh, power of managing your emotional states and staying positive. My book tries to take the best of both of these worlds and combine them. I wanted a book that, uh, to write a book that, that utilized the very best self-help principles, but balanced and corrected them with orthodox, traditional, Christian, Catholic principles. And so that my hope is that the results people get will not just be temporary, but will be long lasting and even permanent. Yeah, I'm curious about this mix of Tony Robbins and Thomas Aquinas. Uh, throughout the book, there was a distinctive voice that kept coming through, you know, and it, it had that, that kind of challenging edge to it that not afraid to say the difficult stuff, but it didn't take it over the top. You know, there was also the love of a father in there, a, a, a real concern. There was, there was a part to it that, um, where, where there was a, a, a tempering at times where, where the, uh, I would say, uh, a love came through. Um, for the audience too. And I'm just curious, uh, is that your voice? Is that something that's kind of developed as you've been uh, working on this material? Or is this a voice of somebody that you knew maybe growing up? Well, I wish I could say it was another voice. You know, uh, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to be a drill sergeant, as you had mentioned to me uh, earlier. But unfortunately, that's me. Uh, it's my real voice. You know, in my in, in previous books I've written, like the first book I mentioned, The Travel Guide to Heaven, mm -hmm. uh, the subject matter of that book demanded that I have a different kind of a voice. You know, ha heaven is the happiest subject in the world. And when I wrote that book, I wanted it to be a happy book. I wanted every mm -hmm. page to be happy, you know. So my tone was a bit playful and cheerful uh, throughout the book. Even when I was taking shots in that book at atheists, I didn't let them have it with, you know, with both barrels. I was playful about it because I wanted the book to be lighthearted and happy. Uh, but that goes against the grain. I'm not normally that way. I am a New York Italian. I uh, grew up with a bunch of loud, tough talking people, Irish, Italian, Jews in Brooklyn, New York. So I do have it in me to be a drill sergeant. But um, fortunately for, for me, I knew from the beginning that this is exactly the kind of tone uh, and voice that are perfect for a book like this. Look, if you want to change somebody's life radically, if you want them to stop the nonsense and stop making excuses uh, and stop wasting time and get off their butts and start doing things right for a change, if you, if you want them to do that, which is a radical change, then you better be sure of yourself. People want certitude. Uh, they're attracted by certitude. They want to listen to someone who's sure of what they're talking about, especially if it involves something big like changing your life. The Bible says that if the bugler sounds an uncertain call, who will arise for battle? The answer is nobody. Uh, now, as far as the lighthearted elements, um, thank you for saying that about the love, because I think that's the most that's that's a very important thing. This is this is not supposed to be a funny book. I try to insert some lighthearted moments, and I think uh, this is a principle I have in life, and it, and it works in business too for people who own businesses or manage other people. You can be as tough as you want with people. You can be as firm and tough talking as you like, as long as you show those people that you're not doing that out of some sense of sadism, that you're doing that you're being tough because you have their best interests at heart, because you're trying to help them, and that because on some level, uh, you even love them. 
I think that kind, and I think by showing some humor once in a while, that that you can convince people of that. But that's the whole point of of of, of this book. Uh, to uh, I think that if you do that, that's when you get the best results from people because people want certitude, but they want love. They want tough love, especially if things are going bad in their life. And and, and uh, so it, it comes down to getting results. I remember somebody asked um, Tony Robbins one time if he had gotten a master's degree. And he said, no, but I got a master's in results. That's what I want for this book. I want people to read it and get results from it. Don't necessarily want them to like me. I just want them to respect me enough to get results and, and change their lives. Yeah, I, I definitely got that. So we're here in the Midwest, in Northwest Ohio, and we're, we're very much in the over-apologize kind of culture around here. You know, so that, that East Coast voice definitely had some power. You know, it, it, there were some chapters that gave me a kick in the butt. Um, you know, it just made me, yeah, there was an energy that I felt in, in the challenges at the end of each part. Um, so that definitely came through and, um, and, and the other piece that I appreciate about it is that confidence piece that you were talking about, because there's honestly, there's, it's, it's hard to figure out what to do and what not to do. You know, you could pull up three different self-help experts and they'll tell you the exact opposite thing. Just look at the diet wars. One guy will tell you, you know, don't eat any vegetables. The next guy will tell you, don't eat any meat. And the next person will tell you, well, they're both wrong. Don't eat any polyunsaturated fat or something like that. Right. So there, there's all of these um, really confident so-called experts out there saying different things. But, but the beautiful thing about our faith is, right, we have revelation, which is a different kind of knowing things. Right. So, so what we, what we receive in the church and the deposit of the faith really gives us a foundation as Catholics in a, in a truth that the rest of the society doesn't have. So I thought that was a great anchor in the book that then as you pulled in these different self-help elements and health elements, uh, it had that grounding, that confidence. Uh, and that was really powerful. I, I, I think so. Uh, and as I said before, that's what's missing from self-help books. These self-help gurus, they're good people. They want to help people, but they're so afraid to mention God because they think they're going to be branded as religious fanatics. You know, they don't want to be branded. They want to reach as many people as possible. They know that, that we're living in a secular uh, materialistic world. And so they don't go, they don't go close to God. And meanwhile, how the heck are you going to achieve happiness in this world without being grounded in, in God and in the truth? And Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. I mean, he's the way and the truth, my goodness, and the life. So how can you have a self-help book, a personal development book that doesn't include the way, the truth and the life? So yes, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm sure that this book is going to do well because it's grounded in the truth, the truth of our, of our faith, which we can put our confidence in because it is true. And it's also on, from a personal, on a personal basis, it's, 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 it's taken from all of the suffering that I've experienced in my life. There's nothing in this book that I haven't learned the hard way. I wish somebody had handed me this book when I was 15 or something like that. They didn't. I had to learn everything through reading and through the you know school of hard knocks. So there, I, I am I am uh, 
100% sure of every single principle in this book. It's, it's, very, it's the very opposite of what you said is going on in the whole health world, where do you do high carbs, high protein, high... You, nobody knows what they're talking about. And everybody has a different study to back up whatever it is they're saying. It's just the, the school of confusion. So no, this is based on solid uh, experience, experience and, uh, and the truth of the gospels and our faith. Yeah, the other words of our Lord that, that seem to apply for me is the truth will set you free, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life, but it's also a truth that has effect, right? It's not just an idea out there. And so much of the self-help world is, um, it's like, learn more and try harder, learn more and try harder, learn more and try harder. And for me, as I hear that, I just think Pelagianism and Gnosticism, you know, you're, you're saved by your effort. And then you're saved by learning new information. It's these ancient heresies that seem to crop up again and again and again. That's right. For the modern world, the, the search is the most important thing. And to have an open mind is the most important thing. That's the highest value. But, but I have news for these people. The only reason, the only purpose for having an open mind is so that it can close upon the truth. Yeah. Uh, having an open mind doesn't mean you should have uh, an, a, an amorphous, cloudy mind. You've got to close your mind on the truth. Otherwise, it's just a search uh, in exercise in futility. Yeah, as, as we were talking, I want to jump into a couple specific chapters, if that's sure. all right. Um, so you, you devoted a whole chapter of this book to fasting. Yes. And I love fasting because it's well, something that's deeply rooted in our tradition and almost every other faith, but it's also something that is really kind of coming to the forefront of a lot of contemporary science as something that's being backed up in people's experience. Uh, so I'm curious, like from your perspective, why is it so important for Catholics to fast? Sure. Uh, well, yes, fasting is all the rage today, as you said, and there are undeniable health benefits of fasting. And, you know, one of the reasons why we know that it's true uh, and why it's not a case of just people with different, um, you know, ideological ways of viewing it is that nobody makes any money when people fast. You know, think about it. The, the, the pharmaceutical industry doesn't make any money on it. The, the, the alternative uh, medical industry doesn't make any money. Nobody makes any money when you stop eating and drinking. So the fact that fasting is so popular all around the world for so many centuries, despite its relative inability to generate income, um, tells you that there must be something to it uh, from a health point of view. But now, but, but to, to, to pull the camera back, though, and to bring it more to, uh, to why Catholics and Christians need to fast. Fasting, as we know, is defined as abstaining from food or drink for a certain period of time. But fasting can have a much broader meaning. You know, you can fast from any activity. Um, you could fast from going on social media or watching TV or listening to music or shopping or gossiping. You know, any of those acts of self-denial uh, can be very beneficial in developing your willpower. It's all about your willpower. But what you have to understand is that so many of the problems that people experience today are a result of their weakened wills. Over the years, our, our wills have lost uh, much of their innate power. The world and all its glittering attractions have been working hard to erode uh, our will you know, through advertising, through Hollywood, through the music industry, through all the tempting things they're always showing us. Um, but when you fast, you, you say no to the world. 
You say no to instant gratification. You say no to your, your whole psychology. You completely interrupt uh, your usual self-indulgent way of interacting with the world. And that's that radical pattern interrupt is what can have a transformational uh, effect on your life. When you say no to something like eating, it does something to your body by purifying it. It does something to your will by strengthening it. It does something to your, your brain by teaching it that you do have the power, uh, uh, you do have self-control. And it does something to your, your soul by acting as a form of penance for bad behavior and as a form of preparation for better behavior in the, in the future. I mean, fasting you know, helps, helps your soul in so many different ways. It's, you could write a whole book on this one subject alone. It produces humility. It, it demonstrates sorrow for sins. Uh, it helps you discern God's will by purifying you. You know, it clears, clears a pathway to following God's will by detaching you from all the distracting things of the world. Uh, it can help make you more sympathetic to the poor and the sick, to people who are forced to do without the necessities of life. And most importantly, I think fasting is a, is a powerful uh, form of prayer. You know, just look through the Bible and you'll see uh, how essential fasting has been uh, as a means of preparing all of God's people, whether it's Moses, Elijah, uh, Daniel, Esther, St. Paul, the apostles, and of course, um, our Lord himself. And, and Jesus said, as you remember, you know, certain demons can only be overcome by prayer and fasting. And if Christ said it, you can, you can be sure it's true. Hmm. Yeah, as we're talking, the, the more I'm seeing the connection between the truth and freedom and what bridges the gap is like the intellect and the will, right? We know the truth and the truth will set us free. Um, and, and one of the, the images you use in the book for the church is that the Catholic Church gives us a map of life a map of life. And uh, when I heard that, I couldn't help but think of um, like some of the insights of Jordan Peterson. He talks about maps of meaning yes. and how, um, how we, 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 we need these, these maps to navigate the world. And it's within the context of these that we have freedom, that we can do what helps us to flourish versus the secular idea is, you know, any, any idea that comes in from the outside is sort of this imposition that limits our freedom. Right. So, so how contrary it is that, that the world sees the church as an imposition on human freedom that enslaves us when in fact, the truth that the church gives us is what sets us free. Um, so I was curious, like, what, what did you mean by the idea of a, a map of life? That sure, the church gives? sure. Well, the first thing I want to say though, is that you're, you're this, the distinction you make about the church and the world is so spot on, you know, that, that's the whole meaning of the book of Genesis, you know, in the garden of Eden. You know, uh, God sets man and woman in the Garden of Eden and says, you, you know, you can eat of any tree except the tree of the knowledge of, the, of, of good and evil. What is he saying there? He's saying you have a lot of freedom. You have plenty of freedom. But there are limits to that freedom. Freedom is not the same as the, freedom is not doing anything you like. That's not freedom. That's license. And there's a big difference between freedom and license. And the big mistake uh, that Adam and Eve made was eating of that tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what that actually means is that they, it has nothing to do with knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's that they made themselves the arbiters of what was right and what was wrong. They decided what was right and what was wrong. And that's something that only God can do. So that's just an insight into the, the story in Genesis. But getting back to the, the map uh, analogy, yes, the church is the map of life. It's one of the reasons why Christ founded the church. 
church to give us a map of the Bible, a map of theology, a map of morality, a map of Christianity, uh, a map of our personal relationship with the Lord, a map of how to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Uh, in fact, as I say in the book, not only is the church a map, but it's the best kind of map because it's a treasure map. You know, only on this map, the, the buried treasure isn't marked with an X, it's marked with a big cross. And, and the treasure and, and the destination that you get to by using this map is peace and happiness in this world and heaven in the next. Now, uh, I, as I said in the book, if you want to print out of this map, all you have to do is go get yourself a catechism. A catechism, the catechism of the Catholic Church, is a summary of the principles of the Catholic religion uh, laid out in a very systematic uh, way. Now, this is one of the big differences be between Catholics and Protestants. You know, it distinguishes us from our Protestant brothers and sisters. They think that the Bible is the map of Christianity, but it's not. The Bible is the word of God. It's the greatest book and most important book in the world. It has the, it has the power to bestow life-changing grace on anybody who reads it. It tells the story of redemption and creation, redemption and salvation. You need to be reading the Bible every single day of your life. But the Bible is not a map. The Bible is not even one book. It's a whole library of books written uh, at different times and in different literary styles for different people. Some of the books of the Bible are historical. Some are allegorical. Uh, some are philosophical. Uh, some are prophetic. Some are poetic. All the books of the Bible are inspired by God. But the Bible is not a simple, clear map for Christian living. It can't possibly serve that function because there's just too many ways that you can interpret it. You know, you can interpret the Bible 50,000 different ways. And that's why there are 50,000 different Protestant denominations and about a million Protestant popes. You know, it's that that's the greatest blessing that we have as Catholics, that we only have one pope, that we don't have, that we don't have a million popes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anthony, thank you so much. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for coming on the show. So down in the show notes, there's a link to get your copy of the book from Sophie Institute Press. The book comes out the same day that this uh, podcast releases on June 20th. Um, so make sure to check out the show notes. I'll also link Anthony's website there and also the Catechism of the Catholic Church if you want to get that map of life. But Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Andrew. Great interview. Great to be here with you. Thanks. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to or watching Physically Spiritual. I'm so grateful for every moment you've given to this show. Please remember to subscribe, like, follow, and share the show. And if you want to support everything we're doing at Physically Spiritual or at Awaken Catholic, you can become a patron of the show at physicallyspiritual.com. To find anything I'm up to, head over to becominggift.com. God bless everyone.